Well, they used to say when I was growing up, when the preacher takes his jacket off, you know it's going to be a really intense message. So fair warning. I just took my jacket off. So yeah, look out. All right, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. So Luke chapter 15, and starting in verse 11. And as soon as you see this, you may look at it and say, oh, it's the parable of the prodigal son. I've heard this message before. Well, bear with me. Maybe you maybe you have, but let me. Uh, it may not be what you typically think of as the prodigal son message. So bear with me on that. Let's open up in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for everybody coming out, regardless of the weather. Appreciate the faithfulness here, Lord. Ask your blessing on this word, Lord. I know I've look. I'm looking forward to this, Lord. I know you have a purpose for this word. I pray that it. Accomplishes exactly what you want, Lord. May you speak through me, Lord, and do what you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. This is a parable following, and Jesus is kind of giving a whole group of parables here. And we call this one the prodigal son. And it says, Jesus continued, meaning he had already just told them a parable, but he continues on. He says, There was a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And right there he's saying, I want my inheritance now. Basically, Father, I don't want to wait till you die. I want, my, I want what's mine right now. So he divided, the man divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. And I want us to remember as we're going through this, this is a parable. He's not, Jesus is not giving financial advice in this parable. He's telling, this is what, this is how it is to be lost in the world and, and waste your life on sin. This is how it feels. So in verse 15, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. That's pretty desperate need right there. When you're ready to eat pig food, you know you're, that's, that's desperation. When he came to his senses, I love that it says that. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out I will, and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to his father, so you notice the son has his prepared speech, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his servants, the son doesn't even get done with his speech. The father's already got, this is what's in the father's heart. Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. 
for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. We call that the prodigal, we call that the parable of the prodigal son. And whoever's listening here, who's ever, whoever listens to this later on, that is a powerful parable. That is God's heart towards us. And if you're far away from the Lord and you say, I've messed up, he won't take me back, this is what he says. He says, let me give you an insight into my heart. This is how I feel about you. You may have wasted everything, and you, if you come back to me, I'm a, I want to welcome you home like a son. I want to welcome you home. I want to put, he puts this nice robe on him. It does, the guy doesn't deserve it, but it doesn't matter because the father loves his son. The fattened calf, that is something you fatten up, a, you pick a calf and you fatten it up for a special occasion. And it's, it's a big deal to slaughter the fattened calf. That means that something really important has happened. He's celebrating that his son who was lost has come back. And I, as I started off saying, this is not a typical prodigal son message, but I don't want to, oh, I don't want to go too fast through this to get to my point. I want to make sure I don't want to take for granted that everybody's heard these messages before. Or maybe you haven't. But this is the Father's heart to someone who, who is lost and comes to their senses and says, I've wasted my life on sin. I'm not any better off for it. God, will you take me? And God says, yes, absolutely. I'll welcome you home. But I want to point out today, I don't want to skip over that, so... That's where you're at. You're listening to this some point. Come back to God. He'll take you back. He loves you. This is a this is a true father's heart for a son that is that is lost. But for many of us, you've grown up in church, whatever. You've heard that before. But I want to point out this parable has two brothers in it. There's two sons. If it's just the prodigal son. What's the point of having the other one? Why does Jesus mention him? Why, is, why does Jesus include him in this parable? So there's more to this. So continuing on, Luke 15, verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what was going on. Your brother has come, he said. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years, and I want you to pay close attention to this verse. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you, never disobeyed your orders. And yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. The older brother says, look, God, look how careful I've been serving you. And I feel like I've been slaving and I feel like I've gotten nothing out of it. And here's the father's reply. He goes on, you, I, so I could celebrate with my friends, and he goes on, but when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. And the father says, my son, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. 
But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And I definitely don't want to overlook the prodigal aspect of it. We have these three characters in this parable. The father represents God. The prodigal is this lost person coming to God. But there's this older brother who didn't go out and do those things, who didn't go out and do the wild living, didn't squander, didn't waste his life on sin, didn't squander his father's wealth with prostitutes. But he's frustrated. And he's in this parable for a reason. And I'll share with you something that back a few years ago, I was in a planning meeting. We're doing ministry, and we're kind of getting to know each other as a group so we can do some ministry, and we're in this planning meeting. And they're kind of giving your kind of a short uh, life story to kind of get to know each other because we're going to work together. And I gave this example. I said, you know, I grew up in church, grew up in a Christian home, never had that wild, rebellious phase where I went out and did all these things, but I did all these. So many people have this testimony of, I had this time in my life where I went and did all these sins, and I don't have that testimony. But I do relate to this brother in this parable because there's a point in my life where I got very frustrated with, I feel like I have done, I feel like I've been so careful, I've avoided the sins that I've seen, even my Christian school classmates get involved in, and how, and I've avoided those things, and I got to a point where, I, but I'm still, I'm still not happy. I'm still frustrated. I'm still trying to figure out. I've, I've been so careful in living this Christian walk, and why is it not? Am I any better for it? Because I've seen people go away from God and come back, and they're on fire and again, or just. I've seen people in the world that seem so happy, and what, what what am I doing? What's the payoff? And I shared that with this group, and I had speaker had been the kind of leader had been in church a long time. He's like, I've never heard anybody say that. I've never heard anybody relate to that other brother in that parable. And I thought we should we should talk about this. I've been waiting a while to get to preach this sermon. It's been on the shelf for a while, like. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people that relate to that other brother. I think he's in there on the, in that parable for a reason. I think there's a, a lot of people who say, I have tried to walk this Christian walk, and I'm just frustrated. And I'm just not. Sometimes people in the world seem to be having a good time, and people that have that, and it seems like everybody has that testimony that they went far away from God and came back as a prodigal, but what about those of us who didn't? Didn't necessarily have that prodigal experience, but but we're still frustrated. Something we're not realizing. I like, I'm going to call it for purposes of this sermon, a quiet frustration. Because a lot of times we feel guilty about it, if we're honest. Those of us grown up in church and you didn't, you didn't do that, didn't have that wild party phase. And, but you don't want to admit that you feel frustrated with God or you're not enjoying your Christian walk. That's something you kind of keep quiet. You really don't want to say that. This brother doesn't seem like he had complained to his father at all until a point where he just couldn't take it anymore. And he complains to his father, look, I've been slaving for you, and I've never disobeyed your orders, and I should, I should have, you're celebrating this, this son that squandered your wealth, and he came back, and what have you done for me? 
And I want to I want to explore that because the father gives a very interesting answer to that brother. He feels like he's worked so hard, probably even feels guilty that he's complaining to his father, but he just has, he just can't take it anymore. I know that frustration is real. I've heard it from other believers. I've experienced it myself and I'm I've heard it from people who have left the faith who were so careful growing up and then got to a point they just couldn't take it anymore and didn't, don't see any value in church or God or anything in Jesus anymore. So I want to talk about that frustration and what the Father's answer is to it. God's response was, you already have what you're asking for. You're just not using it. Not, here's a 10-step plan to get what you're missing. Not this, that. Not, uh, well, get over it. Put up with it. It was, my son, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. What do you, the guy, this brother's asking, well, couldn't you at least give me like a, a goat to, to have a little feast with my friends? And the father's going, you, have, you already have a lot more than that. You have every, everything I have is yours. Not just how to get what you want, but you don't realize how much you have already. And it's already yours. The older brother chose to live like a slave. He was actually an heir. He thought pleasing his father meant living like a slave. In reality, he was an heir. He was to inherit all that his father had. Father responds, you're asking for a goat, but you, you already own the place. Why are you, why are you, why are you asking for this? Like, oh, I want some, this little thing would make me happy and it's all, it's all already yours. More to living the Christian life than just avoiding sin. There is actually what I'm going to call wealthy living. Not a prosperity message. Because this parable is not about Financial advice. It's not about money. The same way that the prodigal squandering his father's wealth was somebody wasting their life on sin, the same thing applies to the older brother too. What he's lacking is walking in what the father's already given him. So, what's God already given us? I look at that parable. Can I can I claim that God's already given us? Like, am, am I sure that I can claim that God's given everything I need? Second Peter one three. I'm going to read it in a couple of different translations. This is the NIV. So Second Peter one verse three. His divine power has given us everything we need. There it is, right there. For our godly life, through our knowledge of Him, who called us by His own glory and goodness. Let me read it in the uh, New King James. As his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue. What has he given us? Now, he will give us or he already has. He already has. He's given us. His divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. That's that's extraordinary news. That is that's amazing. Wait, I 
where's my where's my twelve step program paired with my fourteen point? How, how do I get there? How do I earn? How do I slave and work hard and someday get? Wait, no, he's already given it. He's already given you everything. So, so why are we not? We need to learn how to walk in that. The older brothers get. Hey, what do I need to do for you to even give me a? a a little feast to have with my friends, and the that's going. You already, you already have the. You've put this limit on yourself. You already have everything. So, what are these things that we have? How about truth? I think the world. Do you, you, you see the way the world is scurrying around and stumbling around trying to find truth? How desperate and hungry the world is for truth and has has no way to even measure what is true or what it's not. And yet we have the word of God. Purpose. The world would love to have purpose. People lost would love to have purpose. We know God's called us to do things. He's anointed us. He has a plan for our life. We have these things. These are incredible purposes. This incredible hope. That's the next one, hope. The world is, maybe I'll do enough and people will remember me, and if this life is all there is, there's not much hope. Maybe I'll do enough, maybe people will remember me. We have the hope of heaven. Eternity with God, that's a, that's fantastic. Love. And God is love. What does that even mean? I used to wonder, like, why didn't they just say, why doesn't the word say God is loving? Why does it actually declare God is love? And then you go to psychology class in college, and they try to explain love without God. Like, oh, that's why it says God is love. Because love doesn't make any sense as soon as you take love. As soon as you take God out of the equation, our only motives for doing nice things for people are, are if we get some value out of it. You go to philosophy class at college, and the only reason you love your kids is because you're genetically evolved to protect your children for the good of the species. And well, thank you for that. That's that's wonderful. I had a philosophy professor who had in got it, who walked out into New York traffic and and stopped traffic to help a uh, elderly man who was really struggling. And he wasn't telling us the class that to brag. He was telling the class that because he was really struggling to understand why he had done that because that was not for his own self-preservation. That was, He didn't get any benefit out of it, so he was trying to explain it. And he was confusing himself on why he had done something nice for someone else. But that's Apparently, that, that that's when you know you don't understand love is when you can't figure out why you did something nice for somebody else. But without God, we have no explanation for why we do something nice unless it somehow benefits us. If we are just a species, an animal, trying to survival of the fittest, love really doesn't make sense. I'll give you an example of that. How often, and maybe you don't spend a lot, You probably, probably best if you don't spend a lot of time on social media, but I can tell you on social media on a weekly basis, I see somebody post something to the effect of don't do thing, don't put yourself out for other people if they're not doing the same thing for you. Don't cross oceans for people if they won't cross a puddle for you. 
something to cut those people out of your life if they're if you're pouring into them and they're not in they're not pouring back to you then cut them out of your life and if you don't know god i totally understand why somebody would feel that way because if you're only you can only pour out you're pouring out what you have in you for other people and you're not getting it back you are going to be exhausted and depleted if you're connected to god an infinite source of love you're not going to run out you look at scripture and people pouring out themselves trying to reach the lost, trying to reach others, trying to love others, and not getting much back, and how could they do it? Well, when you're hooked up to an infinite source, you don't run out. And I see believers posting about don't do don't put your don't put extra don't pour into people unless they're pouring back to you. And I, I'm going, Jesus already talked about that. This is this is the key. How do we get those things that God has given us that we already we already own? And how do we use them? Well, we look at the Word, and Jesus already tells us on the Sermon on the Mount, if you only love those who love you back, even the pagans do that. What benefit is it? What benefit is it? Even those that don't know God will love those who love them back. There's no benefit to it. The world is trying to figure out these really tough questions. How do we, what is truth? How can I have hope and purpose? How can I love? And God's already given us those kinds of things. If it was, isn't it interesting if it was just about money, if the prodigal son was some sort of prosperity message or or something like that, this stuff is worth a lot more than money. Having hope, having love, having truth, that's worth a lot more than money. So I want to talk about now what, hopefully I've already kind of captured your appetite here where you're like, hey, I want that. That father tells that older brother, you already own this. Okay, what's that look like? How do I do that? And one of my favorite verses that is so easy to overlook, it's right in the middle of some more parables, right there in Matthew chapter 13, in verse 52 Jesus is kind of has been explaining some parables and asking, "Are you understanding this?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, we we're under, we understand these the parables you're explaining to us." Okay, great. Jesus says to them, "He said to them, therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings it from his storehouse, from his storeroom, new treasures as well as old." So I teach someone familiar with the law and becomes a disciple of heaven. It's like somebody who owns a house and they have this storeroom. And from there they can bring out these treasures. And they can bring out new ones and they can bring out old ones. What on earth does that mean? What is that? It's like having, let's make it a little more contemporary. You have like a pantry or your refrigerator at home. And when you're hungry, you can go and get food. Somebody else is hungry. You can go and get something for them and give them something. If we have a familiarity with the Word and we know God, not just the Word, not just scholarly knowing the Word, but knowing the Word and knowing God, 
It's like we can go into a pantry and get what we need. We already own it. You, you own the stuff in your refrigerator, I'm assuming. You have a refrigerator and you have a pantry, and if you're hungry, you go and get what you need. Somebody else is hungry, you go and get what they need. Give that to them. That's like knowing the word and knowing God is, I have this problem in my life, I need, or I need this truth, or somebody I know needs truth. They need hope. They need purpose. They need love. They need an answer. Oh, here it is. Let me hand it to you. That's having a storehouse where you have new and old treasures. Why new and old? We're always learning stuff. So you learn something. God shows you something through his word and through time with him, and he reveals something to you. That's a new treasure to you. Or sometimes he reminds you of something that you forgot. I, I did. I learned that. I, I remember that now, but I forgot about it. And he reminds you of it. It's an old treasure that you've rediscovered, that he's shown you, or you've learned something new, and that's your new treasure. And you're taking that, and you got it, you got it for yourself, but you also got it to share with someone else. Sorry, I'm catching up on my notes here, and I've we're look, we're look, we're looking pretty good on the notes on the note front here. So here's the challenge, and I want to tie these verses together. And uh, Trace, uh, Ryan, Tracy, whoever's doing music, you want to start getting ready? Okay. So here's the challenge. Okay, I've told you. Yeah, I've told you. Hey, there's this old. There's this. He gives us this parable of the older brother, and you already own what you need. And through learning about God, notice what the father said to the older brother, you're with me, and everything I have is yours. What does Jesus say here? You know the word, but you're also a disciple of heaven. You're being taught by God. So know the word, and you know God. That's going to give you this storehouse, this, this room, this pantry of what you need and what other people need. And then here's the challenge. Have you had a, either yourselves, you've seen, you know, a kid says, oh, I'm hungry. I want you to hand me something to eat. And then there's a point, and yeah, the parent does that for the kid. And then there's a point where the parent goes, okay, kid, you need to go get that for yourself. You need to go to the shelf. You need to go to the pantry or you need to go to the fridge. You can get that for yourself now. You need to start, you need to start being able to feed yourself. There's a point for the kid's own good that you're kind of like, I'm not just going to hand it to you. You need to go and get it. And we probably laugh at the, when we think of, you know, you think of kind of your grown kid. Oh, can, can you give me something out of the fridge? And like, go, go get it yourself. What are you, what are you doing? You're, you're a grown kid. Come on. Go get something out of the fridge for yourself. We do that to God all the time. God, hand me, hand me this answer. And God's like, I, I, you, I already have. I, you already own what you need. It's, but you need to spend some time with me and you need to look in the Word. So you need to go to, to the pantry and go get that thing that you need. You need to go get that, you know, you're thirsty, you need to go, go to the fridge and get it. I'm not always going to just hand it to you out of nowhere. You need to spend time with me and you need to get in the Word and then you need to, you need to learn the layout of that pantry. 
You need to learn where stuff is in the fridge. You need to learn that. You need, that, you need a, a command and a comfort of it. And as you grow in that, and you know where things are, where those answers are that you need, you can share them with other people too. And that's really cool. It's a blessing for you and it's a blessing for other people. Hey, you got that problem in your life. Let me show you in the Word what God says. But not just as somebody who used to work at a seminary. Scholarly, scholarly knowledge of the Word by itself is not enough. You need to know the Lord. You need to need the Holy Spirit speaking to you and speaking through you. You need to be able to give that timely, exactly what that other person needs and exactly what you need. But we got to have some knowledge of where stuff is in that pantry and in that fridge. That's exactly what uh, i got to share with you this last part. Father tells the brothers two things. You're with me, and everything I have is yours. Time with God and the truth that he's got in his word. If the brother had been closer to his father, see all that time he's avoiding doing the bad stuff, and he's slaving away, working like a slave, and trying to obey his father. But if he had been closer to his father, if he'd had that relationship, not just works, but a relationship, not just, oh, I'm not sinning and I'm doing good things, but I still don't, he still didn't get, he's the father's child. He owns this. If he'd been closer to his father, he would have thought more like his father. And he would not have been worried about goats and calves. Who gets the fattened calf? Who gets the goat? He wouldn't have been thinking like that. When you start realizing, hey, I already own this. It's not, oh, he should have realized that he already owned that goat. No, he should have realized he already owned that whole, his father's inheritance, and it would have changed his mindset. He could have looked at, how would that have changed how he looked at his brother? I'm not worried about goats and calves anymore. Dad, I get it. I get why you're so happy that brother came back. Not am I getting my needs met. My needs are already met. Now I'm looking at, okay, Father, I see, ooh, I see why you're so happy that person came back to you. He could look at his brother, the access and command of this treasure storeroom, what we need for our life and godliness. It's going to change how we see things. It's going to make us go, instead of my life is consumed with trying to meet my needs. I want to get to that place where we're not I'm not consumed with how to meet my needs. God's already met those needs. Now can I walk in that and can I share that with other people? Can I see what God's doing with other people? It would have changed him from a am I getting what I deserve to how can I be gracious with this brother who is how can I rejoice with the father that this brother is not getting what he deserves what he deserved for squandering his father's wealth the father says nope I'm going to give him blessing and that older brother could have rejoiced in that but he wasn't rejoicing in it because he's thinking about what he has earned what he deserves what he needs instead of having the father's heart 
close in a word of prayer. We're going to worship some. Let's uh, pray together. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Lord, the, it, it's too big for me just to convey with words. Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak this to my heart and that you speak this to the listeners, those here, those listening in the recording, Lord. It's too big for me to be able to just to just convey it through just limited words, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, you bring this word to life. You bring the scriptures to life and that they roar in our ears. That they change our mindset. Lord, that we that you remind us of these things in our weekly, day-to-day and week-to-week, Lord, where we could easily forget them, Lord, that you bring these back to our remembrance. Let it change our outlook. Let it change our attitude. Let it change. Let it just transform us, Lord. Lord, anyone that's away from you that hears this, Lord, let that prodigal son speak to them, Lord. But Lord, everyone who has said, I've been so careful to obey God and I just feel like it doesn't matter, let that other brother let that jump out and speak to them. God, thank you that we are with you and everything we everything you have is ours. And yes, that is that does make us walk differently than those who are away from you. Let them see what they're missing in us because you've given it to us. That truth and that hope, that purpose and that love, Lord, that they wish they had. They need to see it in us, Lord, so that we can tell them about you. We didn't get it on ourselves. We didn't slave and work for it. We're children of God, and this is what he's given to us, and we'll gladly share it with you. Lord, help us to be to be masters of that treasure room, that pantry, Lord, of all that you've given us that that meets our needs, Lord. Let us know its layout. Let us know where to find things to meet what we need and share with others. Thank you, Lord, for this. In Jesus' name, amen. feel always feel free just like that the brother was to understand that he what he owned feel always feel free like the word says come boldly to his throne of grace find mercy to help in time of need hard to come boldly if you think that you're only a slave when you know you're a child you can come boldly always feel 
free to come up for the, to the altar for prayer. Let's, 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 let's also, let's take some time and pray. The Lord helps us become the, that, an expert in that storeroom of his truth. Let's uh, continue to worship. something and then oh I wish I'd said this I wish I'd done that that's the beauty of being a child of God he's still teaching us all the way through our lives we're still a child of God he's still teaching us and we're still learning our way around that's that storeroom of treasure that's okay what we don't want to do is to have no idea what we're doing we want to have, yeah. As long as, as as long as we're learning, we're heading in the right direction. I encourage you with that. Let's uh, let's dismiss in a word of prayer. I, I appreciate you guys. It's it's a cold, dreary morning, and you're out here, and I I really appreciate that. I want to make sure I'm that. I hope this has been as encouraging to you as it has been to me. Lord, thank you again so much for your word for this really beautiful time with you lord this morning and i ask your blessing your protection on everybody here as we as we leave i thank you lord for what you've done let it have its full effect and lord we look forward to what you're going to do at evansville today and we look forward to spending time with you lord on our own and together lord in jesus name amen